Will you pray with me? O gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts and our minds and our spirits be pleasing unto you this day and always. Amen. Well, I really wish that I could leave the interpretation of this biblical story to the one that I told the children. Jesus lights up and God asks them to listen to his son that we might learn to love one another. And maybe it really is that simple, but there is so much more packed into this rather brief scripture passage. It begins, of course, with that climb to the top of the mountain with Jesus and three of his seemingly favorite disciples, clothes turning whiter than white, dead prophets appear out of nowhere, babbling disciples so terrified that their initial response is to suggest building a dwelling, a shrine, if you will, for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And if all of that weren't enough, a cloud appears and a voice, the voice of God, no less. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. The cloud and the voice and Moses and Elijah disappear and back down the mountain, Jesus goes with Peter, James, and John. And as they go, Jesus says over his shoulder, oh, by the way, make sure you don't tell anyone about what just happened. What? But let's unpack this even a little bit more, because pretty much every word in this passage has meaning. The first three words, six days later, sets the scene. You see, because six days earlier, Jesus tells his disciples of his forthcoming suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection. So we have to imagine that their heads were spinning already And now Jesus is saying, let's take a little trip up this mountain. And as they arrive at the peak, Jesus' clothes become a dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. This transformation or transfiguration is rooted in Greek tradition of gods walking the earth in human form and then manifesting their divine glory or radiance as the self-manifestation of God. This brilliant whiteness connotes the radiance of a heavenly being. And speaking of heavenly beings, along comes Elijah and Moses, who in the Jewish tradition were believed to have gone immediately to heaven upon their deaths. The symbolism is ripe with resurrection, but also of Emmanuel, God with us, in the form of the man, Jesus. Well, Jesus has told his followers he will suffer, die, and rise But just to be sure they understand, he takes them up to the little mountaintop for a mountaintop experience. But Peter, God love Peter, says, Rabbi, teacher, it's so good of you to have us here. How about I pitch a tent for the three of you so that we'll remember the exact same spot this transpired? Well, this seems like the equivalent that if this were happening today, Peter would pull out his cell phone and take a snappy selfie with Jesus and his ancestors, like he needed the picture to remind him of this day that Jesus turned in to bright light. And Jesus, annoyed, would have to tell him, of course, that he can't post these pictures on Facebook or Instagram because, again, oh, by the way, you can't tell anyone this happened, much less post the pictures. And so, like an exasperated parent who realizes the kids really aren't listening, God has to chime in and say, 
Hello, this is my son, my beloved son. Listen to him. But this theme of listening is woven throughout the Bible, in particular the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, where God is trying over and over to get his people to listen. The word shema, which means listen or hear, appears again and again in God's dealings with his people. That's snow coming off the roof, by the way. That's not God. Well, maybe it is God. I don't know. <laughs> listen. <laughs> Through the prophets, God pleads, hear, O my people, listen to me. O my people, you will not listen to me. You have shut your ears to the words of my mouth. Through the Psalms, hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. And the psalm we read this morning reminds us that God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Our God comes forth and does not keep silent. But oh, are we listening? And so God sends his son. Maybe he will move us to listen. The story of the transfiguration in the Gospel of Mark is right in the middle of this gospel with similar proclamations bookending the book of Mark. And beginning in, at the beginning of Mark, Jesus is baptized and we hear the same voice as Jesus is emerging from the water, a spirit descends like a dove and a voice from heaven says, you are my son, the beloved. And at the end, in Mark 15, we hear this, then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way, he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was God's son. Well, lucky us, we get to read the whole story from beginning to end in one sitting, if we want to, unlike the disciples who were trying to figure it out as they went. And yet it seems we still need this reminder from our loving and yet perhaps exasperated parent that we really do need to listen to him. The whole scene, in other words, is addressed to any disciple struggling to see, hear, comprehend, believe the reality of the gospel. The divine voice speaks directly to the disciples, to us. The voice from the cloud imparts no new revelatory information but directs the disciples' attention back to what they have already heard from Jesus and will continue to hear from him. The revelatory content of the vision lies in Jesus' own words, his actions, his destiny. We, his disciples, should be listening. But oh, how do we listen? Do we need our own sort of mountaintop experience where God's presence is made known in mysterious, ways to really sit up and listen? Well, one of you told me a story recently that on the surface may seem like just another walk around the block, but here is her story. Through a series of unexpected events, she found herself running late for her usual walk with her dog. And along the route that they always take, the dog stopped in his tracks, and instead of going straight as they normally did, the dog insisted they turn the corner. And as they did, they came upon a house that they had passed numerous times over the year, 
And the owner of this house was often outside with his dogs, but after all these years, he had never really looked up or even acknowledged our friend going by. But on this particular day, he seemed closer to the front sidewalk than usual, and our friend decided to stop and talk to him. Well, after sharing some casual conversation, including their mutual concern over the cost of our recent tax bills and the motivation to possibly move to Michigan, the subject of health care and being near good health care came up. Well, it was then that the man, a bit choked up, shared that he had recently been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and how concerned he was for his wife. Well, our friend will tell you that what she said next, she would never have dreamed of saying to a perfect stranger, but she heard herself saying these words. I've learned recently that in the most difficult of situations, I have put my faith in God, and maybe for you, it will be the same. Maybe let God guide you and hold you and support you through your illness and concerns about your family. The man, getting teary again, asked our friend her name and marveled at the fact that he had never remembered seeing her before, but here she was on this day. He thanked her and said how their conversation had brightened his gloomy day and caused him to have more of a positive outlook about his cancer and his situation. He asked if she would stop by again sometime to talk. Of course, she said. But as our friend walked away and turned, she felt the palpable sense of God, that God had moved her to this place, maybe with a little help from her friend, the dog, but at this particular time to speak to this man who needed a word of support and encouragement. She was grateful she had listened. She said it was clear that this was the hand of God placing her in this moment, offering the words that seemed to provide him with a sense of peace and hope. She was transformed that day, maybe not into white light or a shiny aura, but by listening to the movement of the Holy Spirit. She was a disciple by being a compassionate presence to a neighbor in need. And our friend says every time she shares this story, she gets tingly all over again, knowing that God was at work through her that day. So maybe we won't have such sudden and profound mountaintop experiences like our friend, but possibly we're having them and we just haven't noticed. Or sometimes we simply cannot bear to hear what we hear, and so we don't. We let it go in one ear and out the other. But as God told the disciples on the mountain, we need to be reminded to listen, for this is the beloved Son of God trying to teach us how to live our lives. For most of us, most of the time, God's word comes to us persistently over time, gently turning us in a new direction, gradually making clear the will of God for our lives. God's voice is a persistent voice, a very patient voice at that. This turning is what Lent is all about. It's the season when we are reminded to spend time contemplating how we have moved away from God and prayerfully consider how we might turn back. It is a time to listen. The 16th century Spanish mystic Saint John of the Cross famously said, God's first language is silence, and everything else is a poor translation. Surely this is why there are so many stories of Jesus 
going into the wilderness by himself. He needed some time away, some silence, to check in with his dad and listen for guidance, to hear the voice of God. We're so accustomed to wanting to fill that silence with noise, aren't we? Whether it's the TV or music or chatter, maybe even in our prayers, we're spending more time talking than listening. In her beautifully simple poem named Praying, Mary Oliver writes this. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. It has been said that the great mystery is that God in Christ dwells in the very depths of our souls. But to reach those depths requires disciplined listening. The noise of the world and the clamor of the self must be stilled because it is there, deep within, by the grace of God, that we too may hear the sound of sheer silence in all its fullness and all its energy, the creative word that gives us life, that can transform us as well. This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. May it be so.